I'm just gonna say it now, Halloween songs are way better than Christmas songs. There's no sentimentality, no deeper message, no seriousness, only fun. Yes, all the best Christmas songs are cheesy and campy, but Halloween just takes it even farther. And it usually involves being a little heavier too. Plus, it's not weird to listen to a Halloween song outside of the season. I mean, I'm sure you've listened to the Ghostbusters theme song in July, you're just having fun. But if you listen to Frosty the Snowman in March, then that is kind of weird. Or maybe you're just in Canada and really lost track of time, which could happen soon. But I'm getting off track. Get your hats, your cats, your pumpkins, your bats, put on some creepy makeup, and let's get spooky. This is The Tim Gavin Show, a holistic look at music and pop culture. While Halloween music isn't nearly as much of a thing as Christmas music, there are a few genres that tend to get into people's ears most often around the end of October, shock rock being one of the biggest. But that part of rock and heavy metal history started a lot earlier than some people might think. Pretty much as early as rock and roll itself. Let's go back to 1956 when a blues singer, Screamin' Jay Hawkins, went into the studio to record a refined love song called I Put a Spell on You. But before he and the rest of his band started recording, they ended up getting pretty drunk. And then they woke up the next day, they remembered that they had recorded I Put a Spell on You. The final product was a little rough around the edges. But that's what made it so great. It was fun, boisterous, and for the time, incredibly scary. People were a lot more sensitive about music back then, and it ended up being banned for most radio stations because listeners thought it was cannibalistic. But Screamin' Jay Hawkins was encouraged to keep this new act going. He went on tour wearing a long cape, sticking small tusks in his nose, and appearing on stage by jumping out of a coffin. And people loved it! I Put a Spell on You was later covered by Nina Simone, Annie Lennox, Marilyn Manson, and even Bette Midler for the movie Hocus Pocus. In fact, during her 2015 Divine Intervention tour, she dressed up as her character from the movie to sing it. And the song became one of the earliest hits to be associated with Halloween, but it works any time of year. Later on in 1962, we got one of the first songs that was explicitly for Halloween. Bobby Pickett used to sing in a band called The Cordials at night in between acting auditions and gigs. And one night he did a monologue during a concert while doing an impression of Boris Karloff. The card loved it so much and the band wanted him to do more with it, so he did. He wrote the song The Monster Mash as a parody or satire of sorts, poking fun at some of the dance crazes at the time like The Twist and The Mashed Potato, where the song's namesake comes from. And basically ever since it came out, it's been a favorite around Halloween, going to number one the year it came out, and it has been re-released and had repeated charting spots afterwards as well, again despite it being banned in a couple places. Notably the BBC, who found it too morbid when it first came out. It got re-released in the UK in 1973, where it peaked at number 3 on the singles charts over there, and number 1 in Canada in August of 1973. Down in the States, it reached number 1 in May, staying at the top a combined 37 weeks from both runs. And it charted again in the UK in November 2008 at number 60, but there was something different about that version. In 1989, Bobby Pickett got a new manager, Stuart Hirsch. And after finding out that Pickett didn't own the master recording, they decided to re-record it. Hirsch claims that Universal Records, who owned that recording, didn't really care about the song's legacy and only wanted to make money off of it. So in 1993, they did a re-recording of the song to perfectly match the sound of the original. Not to refresh it, 
just recreate every single detail of the original master track with the goal of keeping the rights to the song affordable for independent production houses to be used in other creative works and make sure that the Monster Mash would always be around. And for a novelty song, it had a lot of staying power. And it even got covered a few times. The Beach Boys covered it in their early years. Uh, the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. The Misfits also covered it as well. More on them later. Another early Halloween song to look out for is Fire by the Crazy World of Arthur Brown. Released in 1968, and again, it's not technically a song exclusive to Halloween, but it definitely does fit the vibe. And like Screamin' Jay Hawkins, was an early precursor to what most people know as shock rock. But there are no guitars on this song, just Arthur Brown singing with band members Vincent Crane on the organ and Dre Shantheker on drums. And the song was also produced by Pete Townsend of The Who. That song reached number one in the UK and Canada and was Arthur Brown's only major hit. But still, he proved to be very influential for early heavy metal singers, including Ozzy Osbourne, David Bowie, Alice Cooper, and Bruce Dickinson. Oh, and speaking of Alice Cooper, of course, he is basically the reigning king of spooky and fun music, especially during his live shows. And it really was a show. Lots of pyro, fake blood, snakes, fake executions. He did it all. But another icon of heavy metal that really leaned into the scary and macabre was King Diamond scaring parents and thrilling headbangers in the 80s and beyond with both Merciful Fate and his solo career. King Diamond used the black and white makeup used by Kiss, but actually made music that matched the demonic imagery that he used. Not only inspiring Norwegian black metal, but also bands like Slayer, Metallica, and a lot of other thrash metal bands. But it wasn't just hard rock and heavy metal that was getting spooky. Goth rock also played up the scary images and themes, though it didn't lean into the Halloween spirit as much. It always did have that association. And punk rock leans into it too, especially with horror punk, which despite the name actually has a pretty accessible sound in my opinion. Unlike a lot of other punk subgenres, horror punk is pretty apolitical, not too serious, with lyrics inspired by horror movies and sci-fi B-movies. And while firmly punk, it also has elements of 50s-influenced rock and roll and doo-wop sounds in its DNA. And there's a pretty diverse fan base for this music too, with listeners from punk, heavy metal, and hard rock backgrounds all coming together to enjoy it as well. The biggest band to come out of horror punk is obviously the Misfits, though they seem to have the curse of more people knowing what their t-shirt looks like than what their music is. But hey, if you haven't heard it yet, go listen to them, especially the early stuff with Glenn Danzig on it. But I bet you're thinking, yeah, we get it, Tim. Rock music is great around Halloween, but what about other genres? Are there any country Halloween songs? Well, no. No, there isn't. But pop and dance music has its fair share of Halloween hits. This is Halloween from Nightmare Before Christmas has made a little place for itself in pop culture, as well as soundtracks for other horror movies, like uh, the theme from Halloween done by that movie's director, John Carpenter, or Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield, which was used in Poltergeist, and of course, the music from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Will Smith also made a Halloween song that he made in the 80s, back when he was still going by Fresh Prince, A Nightmare on My Street. And the two biggest pop hits for Halloween have to be Thriller and the Ghostbusters theme. Now, let's start off with the latter. Back in the early 80s, Ray Parker Jr. was approached by the producers of Ghostbusters to create the theme song for it but he only had a limited time to make the song. And he was having a little bit of writer's block trying to fit the title in. Then one night, Parker was watching some TV and he saw this super cheap local commercial. And then in a sudden burst of inspiration, Parker wrote the song like a jingle. 
And clearly that mindset worked because it became a huge hit, still lasting into today. It also led to a lawsuit from Huey Lewis and the News that spanned over a decade, but it worked itself out eventually. And it had to do with an alleged resemblance to I want a new drug, but I don't really hear that similarity. Now, back onto Thriller. That song was officially released as a single five months before the Ghostbusters theme, January 1984. The music video first came out in December 1983. So again, it didn't start out as a Halloween song, but the music video pretty much cemented that reputation and made it become a Halloween classic. Michael Jackson contacted director John Landis to work on the video because Jackson loved his 81 movie, An American Werewolf in London, and really wanted to capture that vibe. And capture it they did, because now it's a Halloween favorite almost uh, everywhere and by almost everyone. But there's one more Halloween pop hit from 1984, not quite as big as Thriller or Ghostbusters, but still loved just the same by people in the know. Before Ministry became one of the most influential industrial metal bands, they spent most of the 80s playing synth-pop. Frontman Al Jorgensen doesn't really like talking about those first couple albums, but one song from that era of Ministry that he likes enough to revisit was the club hit Every Day is Halloween, a single released by Wax Tracks that remains a cult classic for Ministry fans and by people who love 80s music. And while it wasn't a huge charting single, it does get some radio play around Halloween. And nowadays, Halloween music seems to be firmly in the rock side of music, but, you know, all the previous bands that I mentioned have done Halloween-themed concerts as well. And there are two artists really leaning into that whole spooky, campy vibe for Halloween. Ghost and Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie has been leaning into spookiness since his time as lead singer in White Zombie, but he's spent more time as a solo artist, and every bit of his art is directly inspired by old-school horror. The music, his stage show, even his own image. You can really see these inspirations in most of his music videos, especially Living Dead Girl and Never Gonna Stop, which both have the most direct references to his taste in movies. And Sweden's Ghost, formerly known in North America as Ghost BC, also uses a lot of horror and Halloween themes, but kind of takes it in a different direction, with lead singer Tobias Forge dressing up as a demonic cardinal or pope, depending on the era of the band. And some of the more religious imagery that Ghost uses had drawn controversy among the religious types. But since 2015, that controversy seemed to have died down, especially after appearing on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Now, I bet you're itching to explore more of these bands. And I'll tell you some albums to check out in a bit, but first, I'm really curious to see what was on the pop charts around Halloween in 1984. What was it about this year? that brought out all kinds of iconic spooky pop music. So let's find out with my buddy Scott Mitchell for Still the Number One. We're looking at uh, this week in 1984. And uh, 1984, I think we've chatted a little bit about the fact that this was kind of like a pivotal shift year uh, when it comes to music and especially uh, here in Canada, how music was calculated in terms of the charts in Canada. Yeah, it's it's definitely a very important year. I feel like this is actually like the year where we really established what the 80s is all about. Yeah, like there's there's kind of a bit of everything that you could possibly think of for the 80s on this list. Uh, we'll roll through the top 10 like we usually do to begin with. So number 10 was Shaka Khan's I Feel For You. Yeah, and that's it. You know, 
Not a huge Shaka Khan fan, but this song, there is something real special about it. It's something that I do enjoy. And, you know, it's... And that's one that it all depends on the station you're listening to, whether or not you're going to hear it. Because there's some stations that will have that in their rotation, and then there's others that do not, uh, that do play classic hits. And as an example, when I was in Medicine Hat, it wasn't in rotation. But yeah. But when I was in Lac La Biche, it was running in rotation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number nine, Tina Turner's Better Be Good to Me. Which I kind of feel like is her whole MO, like her whole mission statement for her going solo. I would say that's probably just everybody's mission statement. Like, nobody wants to be uh, sidelined by anybody. Oh, exactly. And, you know, I do like Tina Turner, but... That song better be good to me. It wasn't really one of my more frequent Tina Turner listens. No, not yeah. at all. But uh, the song did stand out to me in a really good way. Oh, for sure. And then uh, number eight was uh, David Blow Blowies David Bowie's Blue Jeans. There we go. There we go. Now we're now we're using mouth right. <laughs> now we're coming English up working. <laughs> I've already done a show today. Leave me alone. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair, yeah. David Bowie, you know, you can't go wrong with him. Pretty much ever since he's come out, it's been great song after great song. And, you know, Blue Jean, I'll admit, again, it's it's not my favorite of Bowie's, but, you know, it's it's a song that you just can't turn off when it comes on. And it's also one you don't actually hear all that often from Bowie. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel like with Bowie, there are there's kind of a few different types of people who listen to him. There's like the people who only know Ziggy Stardust, the people who only know like the thin white Duke stuff. And then there's like the people that listen to everything. And then there's the radio people. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, number seven was John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown bands on the dark side. And this one's a weird one because out of all the top 10 artists on this chart, this is the only one that I had never heard of and I'd never listened to before in my life. You, you never heard of this song? No. We're going to breeze right by that. Uh, number six was Madonna's Lucky Star. That one is, I think, one of her better songs, like especially from that era of Madonna. Like, you know, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty awesome song. But then we get into number five with one of the best Wham songs ever made. Wake me up before you go, go. Oh, you can't help but sing along to it and jam out to it when it comes on as much as you don't want to. You can't help it. Yeah, it's it's that effect of George Michael's voice and just the way that the song was made. It's just so good and just so catchy. And, you know, it almost seems like, you know, this song in itself is a habit. And it is a hard habit to break. <laughs> I wish I had my hotkeys here with me where I could just hit the venom sound effect. Yeah. Well, we can always edit that in. I did it for myself. Uh, yeah, Chicago in at number four. Um, it's, it's, again, one of those Chicago songs that you do hear it fairly frequently, but not that super often. So it doesn't get tiresome. Yeah. And let's see which one... Oh, and it was off Chicago 17. So, yeah, I have Chicago 16. Yeah, it's not one that I'm too, too familiar with, except for looking at this. But, you know, 
it is Chicago. It's decent enough. I can I can I can see why it made it so high. And in at number three was Prince in the Revolution's Purple Rain. AKA one of the greatest songs ever written. I think everyone can agree with that. And I mean as much as radio and stuff like that, you need to play the shorter version more often um, because that's just how radio goes. The full eight minute version is something else. It is. And I am so glad that you said that. <laughs> like it's the, the, the single version. It's all right. But you got to just have that full eight minutes to just experience the glory Plus Prince just ripping it on the guitar. It just, it feels so weird to set uh, an ox mark uh, where that uh, solo kicks in there right after the last chorus at the 345 mark. Yeah, and I don't even think this is the only instance of Prince being on this chart. And have you, have you seen the Purple Rain movie before? Mm, I've been meaning to, never have though. It is definitely a product of its time, but... It's it's I'd say it's enjoyable. I actually have it on Blu-ray for sure. Uh, and then Stevie Wonder's I Just Called to Say I Love You in it, too. Oh, Stevie Wonder. And that one was at number one. I'd say, you know, it definitely deserved that spot as oh, well. Yeah. And it's Stevie Wonder, man. And this is one of his best songs ever. Again, you can't go wrong with Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Uh, and so then number, number one. one. Yeah. Number one's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, Billy Ocean, Caribbean Queen, No More Love on the Run. Uh, and, you know, it, it's funny. Where where was the first time that you'd ever heard of Billy Ocean? I don't know. Maybe somebody sang this at, like, a karaoke night or something like that. The only reason I really remember Billy Ocean before getting into radio was because he, it was kind of a running joke on the show Everybody Hates Chris. Do you remember that show? Yes, I do. Yeah, and there was like this this running joke how Michael Jackson stole the moonwalk from Billy Ocean. Oh. Yeah. Uh, this song was also heavily featured in an episode of Family Guy. Right, right. I was trying yeah. to think where else I'd seen it on TV, but that was definitely it. Yeah. And, you know, I find it interesting that this song out of all the top 10 is like at number one because you know it, it's a catchy song but i don't know it just it, it doesn't scream number one to me no no but i mean even to this day it gets uh it gets played a little bit but you don't hear it all that often exactly so and i mean it's like wait that was a number one song yeah it's it's one of those like it's kind of a billboard anomaly because every once in a while you'll see a song at number one and you're like, you, you know, it's all right, but is it really better than so-and-so a, a few places down? Yeah, exactly. Um, as we continue to move on down the chart, we have like Dennis DeYoung just kicking in there at number 11 with Desert Moon. I didn't even know he had a solo career. Right? Like... And I mean, you know, let's it's face mind it, blowing. the best part of Sticks. <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, and Kilroy was here as proof of that if you've ever listened to that album. Yep. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, this one is by far probably one of my favorite Hall & Oates songs, Out of Touch, was in at 12. Ooh, yeah, that is a great one. And I see it's peaking over here. I'm, I'm surprised. See, I think this is following. I think we've been reading these charts a little bit wrong. I think this is following where things were 
at that specific point of time. That's a good point. I'm just going to duplicate this, and I'm going to look at next week's chart just to take a look here. So I, that's that's what I'm guessing, because having it been on the charts for only six weeks, that seems a little bit weird. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know, you're right. Um, it um, took a couple weeks, but Purple Rain coming in at uh, number two on November 17th. And still number two. Let's see if it gets up to number one. Just watching it. Not even. No, it peaked at number two. Really? It was shut out? It was shut out. Wow. Guess by who? Who? Wham. <laughs> Wait, and before you, know who, you, you go, know who go comes in at number rain? two? <laughs> yeah. I know, right? But you know who comes in at number two? I swear to God, if you say Dennis DeYoung. Oh, no, no. Okay, good. It, it's, uh, it's, it's Hall and Oates, without a touch. Okay, good. Yeah, so okay. That, song, that song gets higher. I thought you were going to throw me for a loop on that one. Yeah, no. In fact, let's see here. I'm just going to search. Uh... No, it starts dropping a little bit. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it it does it like ekes into the top ten a little bit, but that's about it. All right, uh, and then at number thirteen was the Pointer Sisters with "I'm So Excited." Yeah, that one's a good one. Thirty weeks on the charts at this point, too. Yeah, yeah, but it only peaked at number nine. Yeah, but you know, it just goes to show that sometimes that staying power doesn't mean you know getting into the number one spot. True. All it yeah. needs to be is an earworm, really. Oh, yeah. And this one, it is a total yeah. earworm. Yeah. And, ooh, number 14, Rod Stewart with... This is actually one of my favorites of his. Some guys have all the luck. Isn't that the truth, though? Right? So good. <laughs> it's like, that one, do you think I'm sexy? Young Turks is another really great one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hot Legs is also another good one. Oh, that is. If you're looking for more of a rocky... Rod Stewart. He still plays that one live too. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Like I th it's going to sound weird, but I have seen Rod Stewart live twice. Um not once, but twice. Twice. All right. And I, I would go see him again. He, it, it's a good show. I, I was about to say I don't know how I feel about that. Don't knock it till you try it. And the guy's still putting out out new stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Like at, at this point, I know he's just doing it for the love of the game. Oh, yeah. And pretty much everyone is at this point. Yeah. If if they're at that age uh, and they're still releasing music, they're doing it for the love of it. Pretty much. I wish Fleetwood Mac would like actually record new music. Yeah. Yeah. Something tells me they're not going to. But well, the last person in the band who's just who suggested that got kicked out. True. Yeah. True. Then we got Sheena Easton, number 15, with Strut. Not the most uh, familiar Sheena Easton song. Yeah, but, you know, just goes to show, you know, if you only know one of her songs, she definitely wasn't a one-hit wonder. She definitely has a few hits. True. Elton uh, John, number yeah. 16. With Who Wears These Shoes. It's not me, because I've never heard that song. I, uh... As soon as I saw that, I immediately thought of the video 
that's uh goes what are those and it's the grandma going they are my crocs <laughs> oh forgot about oh that's that is like that is one of the better parts of the internet oh, yeah. was like take her take on that meme that uh that whole thing is uh resurfacing on tiktok now yeah what do you think is better is the better meme what are those or damn daniel I'm going to say, what are those? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I was annoyed for the better part of a month about the damn Daniel by our friend Vilma. Right. Uh. <laughs> I I actually had tagged her in a meme one time on Facebook where it said it cost zero dollars to stop saying damn Daniel. <laughs> I think I remember that. <laughs> uh, then Prince and the Revolution in at number 17 with Let's Go Crazy. Yeah, which is, that's another one of my favorite Prince songs. Like, really, just the whole Purple Rain album is just so good. But this one and Purple Rain are the two standouts for me. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. And this was a former number one as well. Yeah. Oh, we got Lionel Richie with uh, Penny Lover, number 18, going up a little bit this week. Yeah, again, not one of those um, Lionel Richie songs that you hear all that often. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's pretty much just dancing on the ceiling that you hear on the radio these days. And all night long. That's true. Yes, all night long. That that does kick around as well. It does. It kind of makes me want to dive a little bit more into Lionel Richie's back catalog. Did you know he has a country album? Excuse me? Yeah, he released a country album a few years ago. My grandma ended up buying it, and like I listened to it in the car with her once. It's not bad. He has a duet with Shania Twain. My mind's just blown right now. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Uh, number 20 was Cyndi Lauper's All Through the Night. Another Cyndi Lauper song I'm not too familiar with, but... Yeah. I, I do know more. I swear. I swear. I know more than one Cindy Lauper song. <laughs> Tim just jams out to girls just want to have fun all the time. Well, not just that one, but, you know, time after time's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I drove all night. Chebop. True. True. Uh, what was that band that had that crappy version of time after time in the 2000s? Sugar Ray. No. Well, them too. But there was another one. Oh, and it was, it was bad. Yeah. Oh, we got to look this up. Oh, I'm on it right now. Yeah. <laughs> there was actually another, a really good country cover done by a Canadian group not too long ago. Quiet Drive is the one I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Let's see. And uh, just so we have like, you know, kind of a... Um, Let's see here. I'm go I'm gonna try and find like who does the um, the good version. <laughs> the good version, he says. Well, yeah, it is a really good version. Oh, the Love Locks. That's who does it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it looks like Willie Nelson has a version too. Oh, okay. That's yeah. That would be interesting. I think he. I think he could pull it off. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, like that's the nice thing about his voice. It lends itself to so many different genres besides country. True, true. And he probably made it 
country, right? Like you look at the difference and I know he did it first, but I, I use this one as an example all the time, but uh, always on my mind. Yeah. Very country in Willie Nelson's book, but Pet Shop Boys is very 80s Euro pop that it hurts. Yeah. Uh, number and 21 was version of oh, Coldplay's The Scientist. There's he has a version of The Scientist. Yeah, it was at the end of that one Robert Downey Jr. movie. You know, the one where he's a lawyer. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah. Uh, number 21, The Cars and Drive. One of my favorite Cars tracks. And it's all it's my favorite one with Benjamin Orr singing. Yeah, and I would uh, I would say it would probably be my favorite like Cars ballad, if you will. Yeah. But when it comes to like cars as a whole, you got to love like magic and bye bye love and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Actually, my favorite cars track isn't one of their singles. It's uh, one of their deep cuts. It's called Give Me Some Slack. Okay. I think I've heard it before. Yeah. Yeah. Like that one's a really good one. And then in at number 23, Bruce Springsteen with Cover Me. And I wonder if anyone did cover that one. I'm on it. I'm on Wikipedia anyway. Might as well look it up. Thank you, yeah, Wikipedia, for doing, doing our homework for us all the time. Yeah. While he looks that up, I'm just going to go through some more. 24, Culture Club with the War Song. Again, not one that I'm too familiar with, but you know, it's just another reason to check out the Culture Club a little bit more. Okay, so it doesn't look like it was ever covered, but it was remixed. Ooh. Uh, it says continuing, and this is direct from Wikipedia. I'm going to say that before I'm sued. Uh, continuing the club play goal started with Dancing in the Dark. Arthur Baker created the 12-inch undercover mix of Cover Me. It was a large-scale transformation. A new bass line was cut. An unused backing vocal by industry legend Jocelyn Brown was restored. And reggae and dub elements were introduced. That sounds pretty tight. Right? Yeah. And it's a great song to begin with. Yeah, and you know, Arthur Baker, great producer. I'm sure that he did a really awesome version of that. Ooh, number 25, Paul McCartney, No More Lonely Nights. And he's just another one still releasing new music. In fact, McCartney 3, coming out in December. Is he rolling into the recording studio in his wheelchair at this point? Dude, the guy's still like pretty I know, active. I know. I'm making a joke. God. I know, but like, do some, you got to do something a little more more accurate. Oh, jeez. All right, number 26, Sheila E. and the Glamorous Life. Yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure Sheila E. is another Prince prodigy. Like, he had this thing back uh, when he was, like, still, you know, in the in super into the mainstream, even in later in his career. He'd always, like, find, you know, female protégés to, you know, promote and just produce music for. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Uh, and then we get our little bit of Canadiana in there. Number 28, Corey Hart. It ain't enough. Yeah, and it's not an 80s chart without Corey Hart. Always somewhere in there. You rhymed there. Hey, I did. Oh, I didn't know it. This isn't Dr. Seuss. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but it could be. Fair enough. Uh, number 29 was The Honey Drippers with Sea of Love. That's actually one of the songs that I I didn't like. I, I kind of skipped over, but you know, Honey Drippers, what a name! Right? 
And, like, it's one that, again, you don't hear it that often, but as soon as it starts playing, you know what freaking song it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure I've heard it before. And once, like, the, the, the first few seconds come up, I'm going to be like, oh, it's that one. Yeah, when you go back and you listen to it after this, yeah, you're you're gonna definitely recognize it well it was robert plant's side project right oh yeah yeah that's that was the honey drippers okay well then yeah you know if if it's robert plant then it's gonna be pretty awesome and uh, it, number it's, 33, it's a, hang on it's a totally different robert plant than what you would expect really yeah you're gonna have to take a listen when we're done this oh okay, yeah can, you can carry on okay <laughs> number 33 Sammy Hagar, I Can't Drive 55. Now, we all know my views on who the best lead singer of Van Halen is, David Lee Roth. But I do enjoy some Sammy Hagar, and this one is definitely my favorite of his. When I was up in Lac La Biche, um, at one point we had a manager who worked out of St. Paul. And one of the main highways you drive on up there is Highway 55. So one day, it was like, snowing and just gross and he comes in he is like on the request hour you gotta play i can't drive 55 because that road was hell today oh yeah and i imagine it's gonna be pretty brutal in the next few days too you know winter's coming and stuff as i i apparently there's already like highways closing and stuff like that so that's fun yeah, um i i already slipped on some ice the other day didn't fall over but i still but i still slept uh and then uh, i you breezed by teacher teacher by 38 special that was in at 32 oh yeah that's another great song oh yeah totally totally yeah uh john wait forward number one in at number 34 this week with missing you Ooh, ooh! that it's one of those songs that you don't really think about until like you hear the name and then it just comes back to you that that's what's going on with me and i remember just how great that song is uh it was always um interesting to me because when i was again up in lac la Biche, we'd have a request hour uh, and this is still when we were doing the variety format mm-hmm. and Every or the, like there was quite often where people would call in and say, can you play missing you? It wasn't until about my third or fourth time doing it that I realized they weren't talking about John Waite. They were talking about Puff Daddy and Faith Evans. Oof. Yeah, I'm like, you're turning John Waite away for that. Right. Like, come on. Yeah. Oh, my that's goodness. A, that's I'm- a yikes. Yeah, that that is a big yikes. I'm sorry, like you know, P Diddy's good, but man, that song got that song got real old for me. <laughs> Whatever name he's using this week. Yeah. Pick uh, one. <laughs> stick with it, please. Uh, remember his Diddy Dirty Money phase. No, and that's the problem. <laughs> uh, number thirty-five, Pat Benatar's "We Belong." And I think that I'm going to say a bit of a hot take. That is one of the best Pat Benatar songs, and it's better than Hit Me With Your Best Shot. I would agree with that, but I think the thing with Pat, uh, with uh, Hit Me With Your Best Shot is, especially here in Canada, that is uh, actually considered CanCon. So it is because of that, for whatever reason, that's one of the core cancon 80s songs on classic hit stations so you hear it lots and you get tired of it yeah and wait 
I can't believe it was CanCon though. Like, I don't even think she's Canadian. She's, she's not, not Canadian, is she? She's not. But uh, it was uh, written by Eddie Schwartz, who was Canadian. Ah, so, I see. So probably CanCon by technicality. It would fit the M and the L and the Maple chart. Yeah. So that that's why that is considered CanCon. It's CanCon-ish. Ah. It's like Rod Stewart's Rhythm of My Heart. Right. Oh, my God. I forgot that. And Broken cool. Arrow. <laughs> Dang. Like, so many technicalities. I, I know. I know. It's so dumb. Um, yeah. Might as well make ACDC CanCon because they record all their music in Vancouver. <gasps> oh, yeah. Almost should. But no, not. It doesn't count. Uh, debuting at number 38 this week was Duran Duran's Wild Boys. Yeah, and after after starting up this podcast, I had my my phase of listening to a lot more '80s new wave, and I gained a new appreciation for Duran Duran, and especially the Wild Boys. Like they make some fun, fun tunes. They do. There's a whole lot of like one-offs that you get in the next set. Like you get Sam Harris, you get Julian Lennon, you get uh, Peter Wolf, and then you don't really hit like the big names again until you get further down. Yeah, like we got, uh, oh, back over to REO Speedwagon with 47. And I'm not sure what the title is going for. It's like, I I don't want to know. I do want to know. I see an apostrophe there, so. I don't want to know? Do I want to know? Is it like Jamaica? Just <laughs> not how it looks? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> or do I? Uh, and then you get Toto Stranger in Town uh, at 50. And Cindy Lauper again with uh, with Shebop. Yeah, at 51. Yeah, number 52, Heaven's on Fire by Kiss. Not uh, even the first band to use that name. No. Yeah, it's Heaven's on Fire. Uh, a band called Venom used uh, that title on one of their songs a couple years prior. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's like, um, you know that meme where it's like the dog and then the demon dog? Yes. So Kiss is the golden retriever in this situation. Okay. And Venom is the other dog. All right. All right. That's a thing. Uh, and then we got uh, Tina Turner's What's Love Got to Do With It at 54. Yeah. And this one's one of my favorites from her. Oh, Totally. It's, yeah. it's one of the best. Um, back in with more Canadiana debuting this week at 59, Brian Adams and Run To You. Yeah, and I'd say this, out out of all the songs on this chart, Brian Adams' Run To You, it's still the one that doesn't sound dated. True. Also not the best Brian Adams song, though. Oh, definitely not. But, you know, for the time, like, I'd say, like, that song is immaculately produced. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and then keep on going down. Scandal and Patty Smythe with the Warrior at sixty-three. Oh yeah, that's that. I feel like is, is another kind of underrated '80s hit. It peaked at seven, so. But not too many people remember it, though. <sighs> yes and no. Yeah. Still gets played quite frequently. Yeah. Oh, we. This is weird. A medley. Love songs are back again by Band of Gold. That seems so random. I wonder what made them choose that name. Was it the Frida Payne song from the 60s? 
Possibly. <laughs> Weird thoughts with Scott. <laughs> and they're a Dutch group. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, like, literally their Wikipedia page is only a paragraph long. They don't even have a picture. Don't even have years active. It's like they're Canadian on Wikipedia. Pretty much. Well, you know... Well, your core the Canadian... Netherlands is basically the Canada of Europe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number 71, Twisted Titser, and I Wanna Rock. I'm surprised that this song is like... Well, it's only three weeks on the charts, but still, like, it's so low, and there's so much room for it to grow. Yeah. And it's one of the best Twisted Sister songs ever. That's true. That's true. And then Van Halen's Hot for Teacher at 73. Only on there for two weeks. I thought that I thought that you know that Van Halen album like came out came out a lot sooner. I thought that Hot for Teacher was like way earlier in this year. I mean, it might not have been a single until November rolled around. October True. November rolled around, right? Uh, just like Pride in the Name of Love from U two at seventy four. Yeah, which is another song that just. It aged so well and sounds so timeless. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and did you know that's because uh, because you two had a Canadian engineer? That um, oh really? Yeah, Daniel Lanois. Okay. Very Canadian and did a lot of engineering for you two's albums. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, that, that's something to be proud of. That's for sure as Canadians. This one uh, basically the theme for 2020 as well. Uh, number 77, uh, Cruel Summer from Bananarama. And man, it was just a cruel summer. But I imagine 1984, probably a bit of a nicer summer. Oh, totally. Yeah. Then, oh, speaking of summer, Donna Summer with There Goes My Baby. Hey. Hey. That was a nice little transition there. Nice segue. Yeah. Number 79, Billy Idol's Flesh for Fantasy. Which I hear a lot more on the radio nowadays. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, and it didn't peak all that high, only at 29. Yeah, I, it, which is surprising, like, I, I've heard Flesh for Fantasy on the radio more than Rebel Yell, and I feel like Rebel Yell should be, like, the one that gets played more. What about Moni Moni? I, I hear Moni Moni a lot, but not as often as you'd think. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. And then uh, If This Is It from Huey Lewis in the News at 80. Yeah, but it's not. It's called the Hot 100, not the Hot 80. So it's well, definitely and it, not it. And it only made it at six, so. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, The Times, Jungle Love was at 83. Oh, yeah, and that's another good one. Another band that was featured in Purple Rain, because they yes. were like the rival band that yeah, Prince I, was going for. I knew about that much from the, about the movie. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, they had a few they had a few jams too. Like they they like were pretty darn good. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and then you scroll on down, and that's when you get to like Ray Parker Jr. Ghostbusters at ninety eight. And I'm surprised that the song is just, like it was number one, but it's so low now. And like right around spooky time. Yeah, right around spooky time. What the heck? This is like when it sh it should be like back up in the top ten. I want to just go back up a little bit. Number 84 with uh, Lindsey Buckingham, Go Insane. Have you heard that one? No, not not to my knowledge. It very much sounds like Rumors era Fleetwood Mac. Gotcha. 
Yeah, and like that song is basically living proof that Lindsey Buckingham was just as much of the secret sauce that Stevie Nicks was for Fleetwood Mac's success. For sure, for sure. And then number 99, the other Twisted Sister song that everyone talks about, we're not going to take it. I kind of feel like Twisted Sister, in the terms of 80s metal bands, they really don't get as much recognition as they deserve compared to others because like out of all the the hair metal bands and i say that in quotes because they never really considered themselves part of that that trend yeah yeah but like they it's they have a lot of great songs true that's very true yeah and then uh ralph mcdonald with bill withers in at number 100 in the name of love can't say as i ever heard that one yeah honestly like yeah honestly whatever really uh so billy ocean caribbean queen still the number one i mean it's all right but it's it's no number one um yeah i i was gonna say at first like okay i'm gonna play devil's advocate and say yes but i just can't it's yeah it's kind of a sleeper these days yeah but I think we can both admit, Purple Rain, it should have been at number one. Like, I can't believe yeah. it peaked at only number two. That's insanity. And to be beat out by Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Right? Like, those, again, both... those should have been reversed. <sighs> yeah, it should have. Now that we are getting into the spookiest time of year, we gotta have some music that matches up. And if it's something directly Halloween-related that is what you want, check out the original Ghostbusters soundtrack or the Rocky Horror Picture Show, The Nightmare Before Christmas. If you're looking to get your classic rock Halloween fix, then check out Rob Zombie's Past, Present, and Future collection, which also has some amazing music videos on the DVD included. Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare and Abigail by King Diamond if you're really looking to get as scary as you can possibly go. For something Halloween adjacent but still works any other time of year, listen to Bloody Kisses by Typo Negative, Too Dark Park by Skinny Puppy, or Prequel by Ghost. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to The Tim Gavin Show wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and review me where you can, and like the podcast on Facebook. We got some links in the show notes to more of my sources, music credits, and some further listening. Additional production for Still the Number One by Scott Mitchell. I'm Tim Gavin. I'll talk to you next time.